0: hello and welcome to lds mission cast the podcast to educate and inspire in missionary work i'm your host nick galetti and on this episode we have two very special guests robert walls and jessica Zercher, dr jessica Zercher, both of which are associated with a pilot program that's happening in the church that most of you probably haven't heard about, but it's such a cool resource, especially for people that are looking for ways to share missionary-type messages and being a minister to one another online. They're actually developing a curriculum for this. Please stay tuned and listen to their interview in its entirety. There are are a number of topics that we get into, and the information is something that you may want to go back to and check over and over again. Plus, there's going to be tons of links that we are going to share, so make sure that you visit the posting for this episode at ldsmissioncast.com and check out some of those links. So here is my interview with Robert Walls and Dr. Jessica Zurcher. We have two guests on this episode of the LDS Mission Cast. We have Robert Walls and Jessica Zercher. Dr. Jessica Zercher, I apologize. These two individuals are part of a pilot program that we'll get into a little bit later in our interview, but we want to start off by talking about who they are and get to know why they're a part of this program. So let's start off uh, with
1: you, Robert Walls. Uh, I... Uh Worked as a television news reporter here in Salt Lake for 15 years at KSL and then another 10 years at ABC4 News. And uh, then I went from being a full-time journalist to uh, teaching journalism at Brigham Young University. That was 17 years ago. And so right now I'm what's called a professional teaching faculty. And so I don't have a Ph.D., I don't do research, I don't publish, but I teach mostly classes in journalism and in television journalism. And then in the last, oh, five years, I've had to, because our industry has changed, had to do a lot of research and get up to speed on how to use social media platforms to distribute information because that's become a, an integral part of journalism now. It's so, a legitimate form of media. It, it is. It's, it's become uh, woven into our lives, and that's where a lot of people get their news content is from social media platforms. So we have to understand how to use them in order to distribute information. Uh, Journalism information. So I've been working on that. And about five years ago, in my church calling, uh, I received a calling to develop ways to use social media platforms for missionary work. So those things have kind of all blended in together. So I've been working on this for about the last five years to come to the point that we're at now. And so currently, I am the uh, co director of what is known as the Utah County Social Media Member Missionary Pilot Project. Which that's is what we're here of, to talk uh, about we, a little, we little we bit We haven't more. come up with a good acronym <laughs> yeah. for that. Well, that's what we do best in the church. But, but basically what that is is we try to come up with ways to use social media as ministering tools that members can use to spread the doctrine of Christ. Awesome. Right. So that's it's kind of a summary of what so we So you're do. consecrating your talents... In, this, in this is my experience. church calling to do this. When None of us are paid. We uh, we have about 150 people that work with us on this initiative that are all called, this is our calling. Yeah. And it's just kind of a local member initiative right now just based in the Utah County young single adult stakes. Awesome.
0: All right. So Dr. Zurcher. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background and how you're a part of this.
2: Yeah, you bet. Um, so my research interests uh, started several years ago. I'm interested in how content influences people. Uh, my dissertation from the University of Utah focused on parents talking to children about pornography and some of the interventions that they can do in the parental mediation. But overall, I'm interested in in new media, social media, and some of the interventional work that uh, that's going on there. Um, I heard a talk a couple years ago from Elder Bednar that really uh, spiked my interest. Um, this was prior to me coming to BYU and working as a professor there. The devotional that he gave at BYU Education Week in "Sweeping the Earth as with a Flood," that talk really stuck with me in terms of my role as a as an individual and in my interest in communications, and and how we can use social media and other online tools to literally flood the earth with goodness. And so when I met uh, Brother Walls here at at BYU and and heard about the work that he was doing with the social media missionary program I connected the dots right away and and saw this as an opportunity to really put together an applicable program and approach as, as a way to use social media as a tool to to flood the earth with positive messages. So that's that's where I've come into this whole whole process. I've worked with Brother Walls now for the past Three years.
1: Three years. Nice. Three
2: years now, and uh, have worked to develop to curriculum and training and approaches in terms of trying to get essentially 50,000. Is that where we're 50, at? Well,
1: we're, they're estimating there's about 57,000 young single adults between the ages of 18 and 30 that live in Utah County. There are 30 stakes and 300 wards. So that's pretty good test. Uh, have project. they all
0: been essentially deputized into this well, idea? or in the process okay.
1: of, of that. We've been working on this for uh, several years, and we've... Thanks to Jessica. Uh, we, we've uh, developed better strategies to uh, to disseminate our innovations.
2: <laughs> the adoption period. <laughs> <right>? and, <laughs> yeah. and so
1: it takes a long time to get a uh, an idea to have traction. And so we started small with just a few stakes and then it grew to a few more. And now we're uh, working with all 30 stakes. And so, you know, I don't know that we'll get all 57,000 of those folks to jump on board, but that's our goal.
0: That'd be quite an army of yes. people
1: to, to, to do that work. Well, and that's an interesting group of people, if you take a look at that, because they estimate of that 57,000, about 40,000 of those are return missionaries. Okay, And of that 40,000, they speak 72 different languages. So that's a really unique group of people that is unmatched anywhere in the world. Where else could you go where you have that many languages spoken? Maybe New York City, uh but you and know it might be to, a slang version too well yeah and try to get 40,000 people in new york city to all work together <laughs> huh? and so i mean good luck with that you know and so we have a very unique opportunity because we have such a diverse community with the ability to reach out around the world with positive messages we had a
0: last week i should say as of the recording of this episode there was the fair mormon conference and uh, an elder Pearson from the seventy. Did you hear about this? I'll have to share a link with you guys. But uh, Elder Pearson of the seventy came and spoke at that conference and talked about the importance of independent voices online sharing the gospel and kind of singled out YouTube as a platform as a way to get the message out there and, and to have people sharing not just their testimonies but just anything about the gospel that they could could share. And so we see this theme coming out more and more. You got Elder Bednar. We've had others talk about the importance of being engaged online, but online is a very scary place. And (laughs) we even have missionaries that are allowed to go on social media and are encouraged to do so. But as with anything like this, there's going to be opposition. And so you, I believe Dr. Zurcher has some research about some of maybe what we might call the cautions or the difficulties in using this medium.
2: You know, so I share this quote in my class, and I teach a a general communications 101 class, and we recruit students to apply to our various programs there. But I always share with them on the very first day Elder Bednar's message, to sweep the earth as with a flood. Because that particular message, I think, really places individuals that you know, and gives them some ideas as to why they're here on earth at this particular time. You mentioned how social media has a lot of negatives, and that is true. Social media and the internet, there are a lot of downfalls. And President McKay talks about how technology and um, uh, ideas will develop that will give audiences essentially the greatest strength and opportunity to reach out, but also the greatest perils as well. And um, for me, in, in presenting this information to students, I'm always amazed how quickly they, they latch onto this in terms of this idea of them being placed at the, in this particular dispensation at this time to use these technologies for good. And uh, I think Elder Bednar does a tremendous job of helping us to focus on how these technologies, if used appropriately, can actually have that impact. He talks about how technology is neither good nor bad right? It just is. It's all dependent upon how we use it. And the research very much mirrors that that exact type of idea. There was a really interesting study that was conducted just a year or two ago. Basically, it, the study looked at social networking sites, depression and anxiety, and did a review of all of the research that had been done in those areas. So they they accumulated about 70 different studies and looked at the findings. And overall... Essentially, what they found that positive interactions, social support, and social connectedness on social media sites were consistently related to lower levels of depression and anxiety, whereas negative interaction and social comparisons on social social media sites were related to higher levels of depression and anxiety. Interesting. So it, it's all about – the study really pushes forth this idea, um, and yet again, it's a systematic review of all of the research that's been done up until 2016 – but it pushes this idea of how we use social media, what we do with it, our the intention of our posts. If we're going online and just lurking or trolling or, or just trying to to scroll through information and not really paying attention to what we're doing online, versus actively using it and and using it to share goodness. So those those studies and those those participants where it was used as a way to connect with others. To create social support, to share positive interactions, it had a positive implications on someone's overall well-being.
0: Okay, and was this a certain age group, or did it break it, it down at all?
2: It looked at adults specifically. There's there's other studies that look at adolescents, um, and you know, in the research, we really are trying to catch up. You know, social media and, and how it's being used. It, for as scholars, it's a very interesting and challenging field sure. because we're trying to figure out, you know, things that have happened and, and as it continuously evolves. So this particular study looked at specifically adults, and it reviewed seventy different studies. And so I think as as a scholar, so often we tend to jump to the negative implications and say, oh, social media use creates anxiety. Because you can
0: prescribe change.
2: Yeah, right, right. Um, But I think in our purposes, and this is what really resonated with me when I met Brother Walls, is um, I had heard Elder Bednard's words on flooding the earth with with goodness. And I wanted to know personally, how can I use social media as a tool for good, as a service tool? Right. And the, the research really echoes that, that as people look outward, towards others as a way to create social connectedness and support and interactions, it can enhance well-being. It's when we look inward or we compare or we have a fear of missing out that we see those negative implications. And so that's what our program, we've, we've tried to um, focus on that, on how do we ask and, and invite and train people to use social media as a way to serve and I think uh, President Nelson's words recently on this idea of ministering, yeah. it fits beautifully into some of the ideas and, and um, implications that we're working with now, because that's really what we're trying to do. Trying to do. You know, there, there's a big debate right now in terms of can you use social media as a way to interact with people for ministering and visiting teaching? Used to be visiting teaching, now it's ministering, yeah. right? Yeah. And so what you do with it and how you use it and your authenticity is is incredibly important. And so, as Brother Wallace will explain, the approaches that we've taken and the, the steps that we've done um, really try and mirror that in terms of getting people to to see it as a tool for good to share positivity.
0: Yeah. And we sometimes can—I I can say that it's easy to get mixed signals sometimes when it comes to social media. It's hard to find that that balance. Mixed signals in the sense that we have, like, the world campaign. We have ways that the church is saying, here, go use social media. And then, on the other hand, we have President Nelson say, take a seven-day fast, from it. So this can, in some people's minds, be kind of a conflicted message. If it's, it's so good, it can why take be, a break uh, from You it?
1: know, if you look at it in that sense, it does sound conflicting, but it really isn't. So what, what we recommend is we highly endorse President Nelson's comment to take a, a break from social media and assess how you're using it. And even more, assess some things about yourself. Are you really a disciple of Christ? Do you really believe that the Son of God came to Earth, atoned for our sins, and was resurrected and lives today? If you really, really do believe that, then that's the first step. Uh, if you don't, if you really don't believe that, then you got some work to do. You know, then you, then you be be can, right yeah. Then you then you <laughs> need to you know do some reading and get on your knees, and and you will find out. You will find out through the Holy Ghost that 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 is true. And once you've done that, then your next step is to, number one, believe and love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength. And if you do that, you're going to obey him. You're going to keep his commandments. And the second thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's not just on social media or anything. That's on everything that we do in our lives. That's what this whole ministering idea is about, is loving your neighbor as you love yourself. So if you come to that point that that's your desire, to love your neighbor and to minister to them and to share the doctrine of Christ with people— now you're ready to use social media as a tool.
0: As an extension of that as natural As an extension discipleship.
1: Of, of that. And so if you're using it for any other way, it's not going to be successful. So there's a big difference between ministering and advertising.
0: Okay. That's and, actually and, a
1: really And, and so advertising, you send out messages. And ministering, you're going to work with people that you have a relationship to strengthen that relationship to authentically help them with their problems. Advertising, I'm trying to get you to help me with my problem. (laughs) I want to sell aspirin or I want to sell shoes. And so I'm going to blast out information. And so going on social media platforms and saying, I'm a Mormon, that doesn't do any good because the receiver of the information isn't ready for that.
0: Or doesn't know what to do with
1: it. it They don't have any context with that. And so if I came to everybody that I knew and said, you need to read President Nelson's talk, most of the people might not even know who President Nelson is. Right. And and especially if we're interacting with people who aren't already members of our church. And, And so we have to have the context. They have to have the context before they can internalize what we're talking about. So that's the brilliance, and that's why I believe the social media platform is the greatest invention in the history of the world. Really? Because there are 7.4 billion people on this earth right now, and 3.5 billion of them are walking around with a mobile device. Half of the world is connected, and so we can influence half of the world's population with messages of goodness. We've never been able to do anything like that before in the history of the world. We've always been separated by language and by geography. We have created a community in the world if we'll just reach out and use it. And so once people get to that point that they authentically want to share the doctrine of Christ and they love their neighbors of themselves, now they're ready to start using social media in a way that they've never used it before. And the research shows if they do this, it will actually reduce their own anxiety and increase their own happiness. It will also increase their own spirituality. And, and so that's kind of the base point from where we start at. And, and and then it's just understanding how to use the technology.
0: And that's how you approach it with these youth, right? You, you make sure they have a testimony essentially that they, as a starting point. Right. I, I would add that having a testimony is probably important because when you get online, you're going to, get some pushback. You're going to get some stuff thrown at you that you may not mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have thought of or heard of or whatever. And so you need to have that testimony in place right, yeah. to, to withstand those arrows of the adversary or whatever the, mm-hmm. the scriptural well, language is.
2: And the research talks about that the, the content of the post itself in, and the positive versus negative posts have a very a large impact in terms of our mental well-being. Okay, And so, you know, social media so often is used to engage in Political discourse, or some of the controversial subjects, and you know, if someone is going online to use it, and the the, the negativeness is coming out that way, they're going to feel it, right? And so, how can we use social media as a tool for good to to share positive messaging um, in a way that that provides the spirit as well as benefits others?
0: See, I see a lot of at least what happens on Facebook. Some different platforms, you have different tones and cultures and things like that, but. I have found that evangelizing happens on Facebook all Mm -hmm. the time, whether it's your political position, your social position, whatever it is, people are constantly trying to win people to their opinion, to their side. And I think that's where some of this discord can sometimes happen. So when you're encouraging these youth to go out and talk about and share positive gospel messages, what's a good way to, to kind of craft that
1: message? Well, the the first thing that we do is we, um, if you, again, this difference is between advertising and relationships, and it's a, a much different way of thinking. So once we have to get out of that, you're not just going to create a message and blast it out. And so the first thing that we have them do is to identify people that they know in different groups. So, for example, I went to high school in uh, Los Angeles, and I went back in my yearbook, and I found 100 people that I recognized. I sent friend requests to them, and 67 of them responded. So Facebook has this wonderful tool that not too many people know about that's called a customized friends list. And so once I invited all those friends, I put them in a list called Grover Cleveland High (laughs) School— And now when I look at that list, I see all 67 of those people. Facebook's algorithm doesn't allow you to do that on your newsfeed. It only brings you the most active. So you're only seeing a small percentage of the people that you know. And when I make a custom list, I see all of them. And when I send a message out on that list, it goes only to them. So that allows me to segment my messaging to the proper audience. And so for that audience... I wouldn't say, "Hey, here's a talk from Elder Uchtdorf," because they don't know who that is. Right? You know, they're non-LDS kids living in Los Angeles. They don't know who that is. They wouldn't like that. That wouldn't be enjoyable for them. And so then I'm going to make another list. I've got another list of my BYU students. Okay. That's a big list. But see, on that list, I can say, hey, here's a talk from President Nelson. You ought to read this because they, they understand that. I'm, you know, I'm a college professor at BYU. That's what I do. I've got another list of the people that I worked with in Salt Lake Television. I've got another list of um, people that I knew from my mission when I was a missionary. And so each one of those lists, the content that I create is going to be different, tailored to their needs and not to my needs. But that's a very conscious decision then. People actually have to sit down, yes, and segment
0: that and then kind of say, "What is this audience?" It, it turns out that kind of being be a as? disciple
1: of Christ is a difficult job. <laughs> requires a little bit of time. And we find that once you create that, those lists, it takes a little bit of time, a few hours to do that, but maybe you take two or three weeks to create all that, and then you can spend you know, 15 minutes a day, an hour a day and you can keep in touch with hundreds thousands of people in a positive uplifting way. Yeah.
2: Well, the beauty behind this as well, and you mentioned this Bob is that you can send specific content based upon the list, right? And so how it's, it really, I think, starts to train your brain to think about, okay, what am I sending out? Who is this? Who is my audience? How is this being received? And in terms of gospel messaging, it really allows for different ways to think about, okay, will this person respond to this message? should I share respond with them positively. positively? Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> they may respond, right? Yeah, right. Uh, but, you know, in terms of sharing the gospel message versus a message that just inspires goodness or shares, as, as Bob, you'll talk about probably the light mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah. You know, it really allows for that strategic uh, sharing and disseminating in a way that we don't normally see on on social media.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you found that people are more active as missionaries as a result of taking these extra yeah, steps?
1: Def- definitely so. But because it now is a positive thing in your life, and it brings you joy and happiness. It reduces your anxiety and depression, and so you like doing it. And it, it and you're, when you serve other people, when you lose yourself, you find yourself. You know, all the, these little cliche things that we've said in the church, they're actually <laughs> true. <laughs> you know, and so if you go on social media, and now you're using it as a ministering tool to celebrate the accomplishments of others— and to share message with them to strengthen their lives. That changes you, because now you're looking outward instead of inward. You're not just trying to see how many people like you, you're seeing how many people you can like. And so that's a change that we all need. If we're disciples of Christ, we need to be looking outward Instead of inward, and so now when I go on my list of my high school friends and I see that they're on a vacation in Rome, I'm not thinking, "Gee, I can't afford to go to Rome." I'm saying, <laughs> "Wow, that's great! Congratulations!" And so when I say those things, it's easy to do to push the like button and make a comment that says, "Wow, you know, you're what cute grandkids," because that's the age that I am right now, <laughs> and that strengthens our relationship. And so those 67 kids that I hadn't seen for 40 years in high school, we're all friends again. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say, you know, Hey, I'm a Mormon and, you know, read the book of Mormon because they're not ready for that. And so it's a different strategy. So I look at their posts and I listen to what they're saying. We call it look, like, listen, and love, meaning leave unsolicited validation. And, That way you strengthen the relationship. And so then I just listen for things. So at my age, I frequently have high school friends who will post something on Facebook that says something to this effect. I'm really sad because my mother passed away this week. She was 88 years old, and it's really hard on me, and, you know, I loved her. I go to Instant Messenger, and I I say to them, look, I'm so sorry, I know how that is, my mother died a few years ago. Here's a video that I watched that made me feel better. I'd be interested to see what you think. So the church has this great video, I don't know if you've seen it, on dealing with adversity. And it's not, you know, branded, you know, Mormon stuff. It's just really good, and it talks about life after death. So I send that to them, and 100% of the time, they instant message me back, and they say, that did make me feel better. Thanks for sending that. And I never thought of that. I, I never really thought of the idea of life after death. And so suddenly now, this high school friend that I had 40 years ago, we're talking about the plan of salvation. right. And so now we've shifted the conversation from being friends and me liking you and supporting you to me seeing that you have an issue. So I've got to be looking. I have friends right now who, who you know, 40 years later are going through divorces or who have addiction problems or having trouble with their kids. And so if I'm a, a minister, I'm looking for opportunities to say, hey, take a look at this. This might help you. And it doesn't have to be content necessarily just created by our church. There's a lot of really good content that I can find and share with people to help them deal their, with their problems. So this is guiding those interactions
0: online in a ministering mindset.
1: Correct. So that brings up the next question, though.
0: As I understand,
1: this pilot program has a content creation component to it? Uh, well, yeah, there's, there's several. Kind of how we work our little group here is that we come up with ideas and okay. we test those ideas. And when we find an idea that looks like it's going to work, then we uh, go to our priesthood leaders, which are uh, uh, in the fifth quorum of the 70, and they run that up the line, and we get approval to, to use that. Okay. So right now we have three different platforms that we're using that have been approved that use uh, Facebook and Instagram, and then YouTube, and then um, uh, two uh, English language uh, learning sites. Oh, okay. So those are three of about, I don't know, 20 that we've tried that haven't worked. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> okay. so that, that's what we do is we, we test those and see would this work as a ministering tool. And then when we, we get them approved, then we open those up for the, our test group in the Utah County Stakes to use.
0: So give me an example maybe of one of the things that you've done on, say, Instagram.
1: Instagram is not my uh, platform oh, of okay. choice. I use Facebook more. Um, that they're owned by the same things so that they, they sure. interact. But a lot of our young senior adults are more onto Instagram, and they say, "Oh, I don't like Facebook." But Facebook is the giant of social media platforms. Sure. 1.47 billion people sign in to to Facebook, and so that's where you're going to find most of the people. So, what I do uh, on a regular basis is I go on YouTube and I look for content. That makes people feel the light of Christ. Okay. Now, the light of Christ, this is a bad word to say, but it's kind of a low bar. (laughs) Because the light of Christ is an energy that comes from our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ that gives light and light to the whole earth. Sometimes we call that our conscience. But when it's good over evil, we feel that. And if you go on YouTube and you type in make me cry, (laughs) you'll find dozens of videos that will make you cry because you feel the light of Christ. Because somebody does something where they show compassion or service or love for another person. And those are wonderful videos. And they're made by people of all different flavors. And they're just wonderful. And so I go and I find those and I send those out to different groups on my friends list. And so my high school friend says they love those. And then I can look and see who liked them. And then the ones who put like, I go back and say, hey, I know you like this. Here's another one. Do you have some to share with me? So now, friends that I went to high school with, we're sharing videos that make us feel the light of Christ. Okay. And so the next step is to move to the influence of the Holy Ghost. And so the influence of the Holy Ghost is a testimony of Jesus Christ. So that's a little different kind of video. There's still a lot of good stuff out there, a lot of it not made by our church. That's where we need to do better. Uh, But there's a lot of Baptist choirs. There's a a lot of things that are testimonies of Jesus Christ. So you have to go from good over evil to a testimony of Christ and his mission to bring in the influence of the Holy Ghost. So if my high school friends are liking that, and and so I did that for about a six-month period. And then on Easter Sunday, I was able to send out... To 250 people, either through instant messaging or text messaging, Elder Holland's talk of and none were with him, which is just a wonderful vehicle to bring the influence of the Holy Ghost into people's lives it, because it is so powerful about his testimony of Christ. Yeah. And so I had dozen or more of them, almost two dozen, who responded back to me out of those 250 and said, thank you, that was wonderful. I, I loved that. So that tells me something about them. They've, they enjoy feeling the light of Christ. They have now felt the influence of the Holy Ghost. And now I would feel comfortable asking them, would you like to know more? B- because now I'm not just, it's not just a cold call. I'm just not knocking planting. on their door and wondering who's there. We have been working for an extended period of time. So you can get away with a lot of stuff on Easter Sunday, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so you Even can, Christmas time, maybe. And Christmas time, there's other holidays that you can do that, that you can send out content that is directly focused at bringing the influence of the Holy Ghost. And so what we want to do is to have them feel that and then have a desire to have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's where we bring in the full-time missionaries. Awesome. In some way, it's kind of a strategic plan, but in other ways, it's really just doing what everyone who's a disciple of Christ should do every day of their life and it's just that now we have the technology to do that with people around the world while you're sitting at a bus stop.
0: Right. So there's this component of making sure that social media is something that that is not acting upon us, but that we are choosing to act and use that as a tool. Correct. And then it's finding these messages and and making sure that we're cultivating the right relationships with the right audience through the right content
1: and and looking at their needs and right. not our needs. Yeah.
0: So this isn't again about building a brand online. It's per not advertising. Se. So uh, we teach
1: advertising in the school. Community. We do, that's <laughs> We love our advertising. different faculty, discipline. But, but this
0: is not. This
1: is a different this approach. Is not it. Yeah.
0: This being a pilot program, there is possibly the hope, I guess, we could say that this will be expanded in other areas in other ways. How much longer, first of all, is this pilot program going to stay a pilot? Mm-hmm. And then, at what point do you see maybe this being expanded further?
1: You know, those are answers that are way above our pay grade. You know, we're just... Uh, <laughs> You're just going. It's, we're, we're, the pilot program we, is
0: infinite. If it never gets off the ground, that's, that happens. Know,
1: somebody else will decide that. You know, I, I could see, you know, personally, um, how you could um, take these principles and expand those to uh, all the young single adults in the church and eventually all the members of the church. Because it's really the same thing that we the ministering program teaches us to do. Right, it's just this is how you minister using technology.
2: Yeah, and and the beauty of it as well is with adolescence and technology. There's a lot of talk right now in social media, and is it causing harm to adolescence? And so what would it look like if, if early on we provide these skills and essentially it's a lot of media literacy and how we use media, what me, how media can impact us, but how we can use it as a service tool. But if an adolescent had these types of uh, conversations and training, um, you know, when they're 12, 13 and getting involved with social media, how much different their experience might be with social media for the length and duration of their life versus using it as a comparison tool.
0: You mentioned at one point that you guys were developing a curriculum of some kind. Is that for this program or is that for BYU? Or are they the same thing? For this program. For this program. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So is, there's going to be a preach my gospel online version <laughs> of no. some kind? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not, the not that sense.
1: The, the curriculum that we create is just kind of what I talked to you about is the procedures and principles okay. of using social media as a ministering tool. And so, you know, the missionary department. We have contact with them. We don't work, you know, for the church, so we're not involved in that. And so, we're aware. They're aware of what we're doing, and we contribute any ideas that we have. That you know, they're we're open source. But they have kind of a different mission, and that is that they've got eighty thousand full time missionaries who are out around the world, and their job is to teach. That's the keys they hold are teaching the gospel, right? where we're working with the members of the church, where our keys, the stake president holds the keys of finding people to teach. And so what we do is not replacing the the missionary program of the church. It's augmenting it in that we're finding leads for them to come and teach. So we're doing just what members are supposed to do, and that is by being uh, disciples of Christ, we're influencing others to be interested in hearing about the restoration And so when, when we, you know, we contact with somebody and, you know, let's say that I have a a friend somewhere in Chicago and they and I say, would you like to know more about the church because they saw Elder Holland's uh, testimony uh, and they say, yes, then I can go on the meeting house locator and I can put in their address and it will give me the phone number of the missionaries in that area. Right. And then I can contact them and say, here's my friend, Tom. And, You know, I knew him in high school, and he's interested. Could you stop by and bring him a Book of Mormon? And and so then we can connect. I still stay involved, but now we've got the full-time missionaries doing the teaching, and I'm just uh, a—we call it a member present, where I'm present and involved, but the the teaching is done by the full-time missionaries. Right. At this
0: point, you say that this is kind of an open source thing, at least maybe open to the missionary department. Mm -hmm. Is there any way that people can have access to this if they're in New
1: York or Europe or
0: something like that where they can see what you're doing?
1: uh, What we call this, our area of authority that we've been granted is to test this out on the 30 YSA stakes in Utah County. But um, we have a Facebook page called Social Media Mission, and you find all our training and all our content on that page. And that's open. And that's open. And we've had stakes from all over the United States. It's all in English right now who have contacted us and, you know, who are trying. Every ward is looking for a way. Every bishop is supposed to come up with a ward mission plan. Right. And in some places, that's a little hard to do. That's how we got <laughs> started in this, because in Provo, Utah, how do you increase missionary work? Because, every you know, there's only a few that's non-members pretty, and they, yeah. they get beat up, you know. So <laughs> we, we wanted to expand that, and so that's how we kind of began this. So they're welcome to come on and take a look. We have uh, all of our training materials. We have four training videos that we'll finish by the end of this month that you can watch those, and in 20 minutes, you can understand fully how to use... In this case, uh, Facebook and Instagram as ministering tools, and then we have other training materials that we're developing for the what we call the digital finding, and then also what you talked to Alex uh, about previously, I believe, was the friends in many nations.
0: Yeah, it's, which is a different. Is that's a kind of an arm of this, right? It's, yeah, that, so, that's
1: one of our three um, protocols that we've been approved to. to so, years. just to go through that, what are the three, maybe? Uh, The first, we call it the reconnect because you're connecting and reconnecting with people on Facebook and Instagram that you know, and and you're ministering to them. The second is more of a direct approach that was actually developed in the Boston mission. It was called the Boston Digital Mission. And uh, they ran this for many years there, and they were 17 times more effective at finding people interested in hearing about the church than regular knocking on doors. The problem was, is that none of those doors were within the confines of the Boston mission. (laughs) So they were expending a resource for which they were not seeing any return. And so they finally said, we're going to have to shut this down. So they shut it down and we reopened it in Provo. And luckily, uh, a lot of the missionaries who ran it there are now at BYU. And so we've renamed it as Digital Finding. And so the basic premise for that is... We're very open and authentic, and there are people all over the world who are looking to learn the English language. Right, And so you go and register as an English teacher, and uh, when people approach you and say, I'd like to learn English, we're very straightforward. And we say, yes, I'm a member of the uh, Mormon church, and I'm a disciple of Christ, and I will teach you English if we can talk about my church. And that actually works. And so within 15 minutes to a half an hour, you will find somebody who will say, sure, I'll, I want to learn English, and I'd like to learn about your church. And so then we talk to them about the Book of Mormon and the plan of salvation. And a large number of those, in addition to learning English, become interested in knowing more. And so when they do, then we connect them with the local missionary.
0: And this is part of something they can find on this Facebook page? Is like a link to that? Or? Um,
1: right now, uh, we're working on the uh, training material for that. We just started that this okay. semester. Because I by, know someone. But by September, <laughs> we would be able to do that. But if the two sites are uh, iTalkie and innerpals... And if you just, any member of the church can go in and do that. And so what we do is we go in and we find one person and then you work with that one person until you're done. And then you go find another person so that we don't abuse the, the site. But there's two things that benefit from this. They learn the English language. If you teach them English and they're not interested in the church, that's fine too. You know, there's no, uh, our, our goal here is not numbers. Our goal here is being ministers and so with our friends and people that we know, they might be interested in our church. They might not. It doesn't matter. I'm going to continue yeah. to love them. I'm going to continue to serve them. And so that program is a little bit more direct missionary work. Right. Uh, still finding, but it's a little bit more, you know, we're just straightforward. Uh, we're going to talk about my church. And if they say yes, then you know, while they're learning exists. English, you say, you know, this is how you pronounced ether, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> that would be invaluable for them <laughs> going forward to help them get a job. Um, so
0: anybody that's a, maybe not a return missionary,
1: doesn't matter, you could be, but if you know. If you have a testimony of, uh, if you're a disciple of Christ, why would you not want to talk to people about why? Yeah. You don't even have to be a member of our church to do this. You know, anybody who's a disciple of Christ should get on and talk to people who are learning English about the doctrine of Christ. What a better way to learn the English language than to learn English and become a disciple of Christ at the same time. So why not use the technology? In order to immigrate to the United States now, you have to learn the English language. So there are hundreds of thousands of people out there wanting to learn the English language. Sure. And in most countries, China, if you learn the English language, you can double your income. Yeah. And so there's a real outreach to do that. Why not take advantage of that, be authentic and open And if they agree to do it, why not? So we've got the first two there. There was a third. The third is called Friends in All Nations. I keep saying many nations, but it's actually all nations, Hmm. isn't it? (laughs) And so that is our YouTube um, platform. And so the idea from this came from some return missionaries who created something called the Hey Joe Show.
0: Okay. And they,
1: they were in the Philippines. And they spoke a dialect that was, uh, Tagalog is the main dialect, but they spoke Cebuano. And so when they came back, they thought it would be fun to create some videos in Cebuano to send to their friends and and contacts. So they made these kind of goofy videos. They're kind of Studio C-ish, except I think actually better than Studio C. (laughs) And uh, they started putting those on YouTube, and they got a huge number of followers. So much that they were invited to come back to the Philippines And when they did, they were greeted at the airport like rock stars. Wow! And so they're famous in the Philippines, so famous that on one of their videos, the president of the Philippines asked if he could be in it. Really? And it got two and a half million views in the first two weeks. Holy cow. And so they've become somewhat famous. And when people see missionaries now in the Philippines, they say, Hey, Joe, because of the Hey Hey Joe show. So we thought, you know, that's interesting. And I wonder if we could replicate that. So we've now got fifty three foreign language channels that are up. And so we found that in in countries where they have an underserved media in that language. So uh, we have one in um, Filipino, Filipino, no, Fij- Fijian. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, we create the missionaries come and they get together on a Saturday, and they p- put together about thirty different videos. And they're not really elaborate things. Most of them are just talking about the customs and the things that they liked about living in that area. And, and so the one in the, in the uh, Fiji, that's where it was, and the return missionary sang the Fijian national anthem okay. in, the, in the language. And so seeing clean-cut Americans showing respect to their country, they had like 10,000 views in the first week. And so they get a lot of traction on those. And so in Kenya, they speak Swahili. There's not a lot of television programming in Swahili. You know, Amharic is the main language there. And so people who speak Swahili, they don't see a lot of programming, but now they have access, believe it or not, to YouTube. And so seeing Americans saying positive things in their language about their community is very uh, interesting to them.
0: It's uplifting too, it, I was, and, and it's
1: uplifting. And so it's all very positive things. You know, why I loved living in Mexico and why I love those people. And we went to, this was where we ate and this is what we did. And these were fun things that happened to us. And then some of it is about why I was in Mexico. I went to Mexico to talk about the, you know, the share of the Book of Mormon. And this is what, and so they're only about two to three minutes long, but about 60% is just about their experience in that country. And about 40% is the reason they went there. And so we find that a lot of people like in, in those countries watch those videos and share them with their friends. So there are 72 different languages, and that's our goal by the end of next year is to have 72 of those YouTube language channels up and available. Wow. And we have access to 72 different languages. So if people, again, go to our social media mission Facebook page, there's a registration form there that they can put in their language and we will contact them on the day that they're shooting the videos. Okay. And, and so they get together and we shoot them on iPhones. I mean, it's not, you know, it, it, it is, the, the cinematography is it's very pretty. Very organic, simple. let's yeah, put it, it that very way. Very organic, authentic. very authentic. Yes. And, and and mostly it's just them talking about their experience there. And then we divide those up and we send those out on a daily basis. Cool. So we shoot about 30 of them in, in two hours. And so. We're getting you know there's one of those that uh, that Alex Belinsky put together for, uh, for one of the return missionaries who explains the difference between a Scottish accent and an Irish accent and he's very <laughs> charming it's about a three or four minute video it has already got more than five million views I believe it and, and so find that on YouTube and you'll see how how charming that is and so it's not a hard sell it's just you know him saying this is how they speak in Scotland this is how they speak in Ireland and when you think about it, our return missionaries have knowledge of the world that nobody else does. Right. You know, we know what uh, restaurants to eat at and not to eat at, and what buses <laughs> to take and what not to take, and, you know, what... Uh, and we know Quite a travel network, too. We see yeah. the world in a way that nobody else sees the world because we're actually in and among the people. When we share that, it's interesting to people around the world, and especially when it's in their native language. So right. even though you're back from your mission, you really, you really never you're part of the alumni. <laughs> That's program. right.
0: That's
1: right. Let me know when
0: you're doing one on New Orleans. Okay. i will out down there. We uh
1: <laughs> some of our English language channels have done really really well. Okay. You know, we thought at first that it would all be foreign language, but some of our English language channels have done well also, but we haven't uh divided them up yet in states. We need to do that. So you uh, You you have an accent, Creole. Is that what you would speak? Southern or Creole. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of a different language. It it? it is. It is because there's African Creole, there's Caribbean
0: Creole, and then there's Southern Creole.
1: (laughs) Well, if you you live in that area for two years, you're going to come back with a lot of knowledge on the language. So why not share that?
0: That's awesome. So we'll make sure to put links to all of that because there's quite a bit there that we've Mm -hmm. talked about on the posting for this episode. But uh, as far as you guys know, this is a church calling that you guys can have for as long as
1: any other church calling. Till they release us and we go back to the, teaching primary or whatever, we're fine <laughs> that's with <right>.
0: that. We're... <laughs> well, thank you guys for your, your input and and doing this work and sharing it. And hopefully our listeners will go out and be a part of that work and, and uh, see if they can't contribute in some way in taking these materials that you guys have started with and incorporate that into their own efforts. So thank you guys both of you for coming in and sharing that. Our pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Robert Walls and Jessica Zercher. It was a pleasure for me to talk to them and we'll try and do our best to update you regularly on some of the new things that are coming out of this pilot program. Next week's episode is definitely one you're not going to want to miss. This is a special story, a very tender story from a sister missionary who was struggling in her own life before her mission with the challenges of pornography addiction. She also talks about some of the ways that that problem, shall we say, lingered on into her mission experience and not in the way that you might be thinking. But I hope you tune in next week for that very special episode and make sure to go back and listen to all of our old episodes at ldsmissioncast.com.